that the specialists in the medical world make the most money as well as in the uh, legal world you know the more you specialize the more you can focus on what you're really good at the more successful you'll be and i think the, the happier you'll be we're going to talk about that today how to specialize how to delegate If you buy and sell vehicles for a profit or you want to, you're in the right place. This is the Flipping Genius Podcast. Our number one goal is to help our listeners make more money. Every episode, we share information, ideas, and experiences of real-life car flippers. I'm Randy Lee. I'm the host of Flipping Genius. I've flipped cars most of my life. For over a dozen years now, I've been a licensed dealer. I am working to build the best podcast about successfully flipping cars for a consistent profit. Let's get to it, flippers. Hey, thanks for uh, listening to uh, the Flipping Genius. Tuning in, and if you're if you're if you're watching, that's awesome too. Uh, you can find Flipping Genius at all of the uh, outlets for podcasts that I know of, and. Uh, if you have any problems finding us, feel free to uh, send me an email to flippingquestions at gmail.com. Sometimes uh, I don't know what's out there because I don't know everything, obviously. Um, today I'm going to talk about what I do know and about how I use what I do know to make, to reach my goals and to obtain best position that I that I can around those goals um, and we've talked about in the past that your goals are very specific to you uh, I talked to a, a lady today who's 76 years old she's been in her business for 40 years and she's trying to wind down and, and get out of it but she is a, a hard-working person and her focus and her goals at age 76 obviously are different than they were at age 36 or 26. Um, 36, that's how old she was when she started the, uh, the business that she's in. That, isn't that fascinating? That, uh, and she's not working because she has to. She's working because she wants to. And uh, she enjoys what she does. I think of my brother. My brother's in a situation like that. He's a little bit older than me very financially successful. Um, he loves what he does, but he'd like to play a little bit more golf. He's very conscientious. So he's committed to not only to his, his business, but his customers. Uh, and, and so it's, it's hard for him to break away. And I think as car flippers, we've got to look at where we're at and where we want to be. And that's going to be different for all of us. And uh, I've been doing a lot of that lately. So that's, that's why I thought it was a good idea for me to talk about um, the hats that we wear in the car flipping business um, and all the hats that, that we, uh, we can wear and which ones we, we want to wear. <laughs> and I, I, what I'm talking about is all the things we do uh, in car flipping and, and as a as a uh, if it's an occasional flipper or if you're a, a full-time dealer there's a lot of things involved but it's all kind of basically the same and it really doesn't matter if if you are flipping old uh, 
transportation vehicles like I do, or if you're flipping classic vehicles uh, in, in for that are selling for hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, the uh, the basics are, are kind of similar. Uh, they're probably a little bit more detail uh, in in when you're flipping a, a fifty-five Cadillac, uh, and you have to look at make it look pristine. Or if you're doing something more specialized, then if you're you're flipping a, uh, a two thousand and four Impala, and your goal is to make it uh, safe and sellable, and in flip it and make a thousand hours profit and move on to the next one like I do. But we're going to talk about those those hats you can wear and whether or not you should be wearing them. And the best way for me to to talk about that is address myself. Um, I'd love to I'd love to have this talk with some of you. If you're in the car flipping forum, I would love to have a one on one discussion with you or even one on two or one on three discussion with you and find out how you treat this, how how you do your business, uh, because if you'll share with me and share with our audience, you can help a lot of other people, and I think it'll help you too, because uh, it's kind of kind of like business counseling, I, I believe. And as I was uh, as I was making these notes for today's discussion, I really found it to be helpful for me to to analyze this as as I enter into. Uh, I guess maybe a, no, a new phase of, of where I'm taking my business. Um, but like I said in the introduction, you know, if you look, if you look in the parking lot at the, uh, the golf course, uh, as you see the folks drive in, the guys with the nicest cars, well, they, they may have just gotten the biggest car loan, but the people who are making the most money are the people who focus on a profession down to what they're really, really good at. And and I find business a lot more enjoyable if you do what you're good at. So let's let's talk about that. I mean, in in whether it's medicine or, or law or business, that is a universal truth. I think that the, the more hats that you wear, probably the less money that you you make because we can't do everything well. Now, some people, that's probably truer than others. Uh, and and if that's what you do, or if that is your thing, that's fine. I'm, I'm not trying to uh, take you away from what you like to do. I'm trying to help you do what you do uh, as as well as possible. And, and it's funny because I, I I thought of this story. I don't know if it has anything to do with it. I just thought of a, a golf course story uh, that happened a long time ago. Excuse me, I'll drink a little Kickapoo Joy Joys. In this case, it looks like it's Powerade. Uh, when I was a kid, my first job ever was as a caddy at a place called Inverness Country Club in Toledo, Ohio, a beautiful golf course. And uh, we had to we had to get up early in the morning. I had to ride my bike five miles, five point one miles to be exact. Um, I know that now because we have you know we have Google and I could search it. And we had to be there I think by six thirty in the morning in order to uh, get on the docket uh, so that we could caddy. Uh, actually, they had a badge that represented ourselves, and we'd throw it in this box. And then the, the caddy master, his name was Buddy Smith. I still remember that all those years ago. Now, that was that was uh, 51 years ago. <laughs> uh, Buddy would reach in that box and pull out your badge number, and then he'd record it on a sheet. And that was the number um, 
that dedic that that uh, showed when you would go out to, to work. So even though you got there at six thirty, you might not get a job until eight thirty if you got a bad badge draw. So you wanted to get lucky and get a, a good badge draw. It's kind of like the lottery. So all the caddies would sit around and wait to work. We'd also play basketball and pool if we weren't going to get to work early. Um, and probably did a few other things too. But one thing I remember is that uh, as the cars would roll up, uh, the drivers would get out and they would open their trunk and and you'd run over to help them get their golf clubs out of the trunk and set them up alongside the caddies. And usually they would give you a buck or sometimes two bucks. That was a big deal when I was 10 years old. If you got a buck or two, that, that was good because you could caddy for the next four hours and only make maybe six, seven dollars. Uh, so if you got to get a dollar just for getting a couple bags out of it, out of the trunk, that's pretty great. But there are certain, there were certain golfers who would not give you any money when you do that. And gradually, as I grew in seniority at the golf course over the next few years, I also grew in size and, and, uh, and, uh, I, I was a little more persuasive with my fellow caddies. And, uh, when one of those guys came who did not give us a tip, uh, we wouldn't run over and help with the bags. And I remember that one of the, the early uh, funnier things was when that was back in, that would have been 1971. So about that time they started uh, coming up with the hood, the trunk release, uh, automatic trunk release inside those big caddies and Chrysler Imperials and, and, and Cadillacs that I loved so much growing up. They'd pop that trunk, the trunk would open, there'd be a bag of clubs in there and some shoes. And the golfer would just stay inside his air-conditioned car and expect you to get the bag out, which he wasn't even going to get out of the car. So clearly, <laughs> you weren't going to get a tip. And we had a little signal worked out when that happened. that So none of the younger guys would try to jump over there and, and uh, get the bags out. <laughs> and I just remembered those golfers being so angry with us and they'd get out and grab those bags and, and curse us. And like I said, that has nothing to do with today's subject. I just thought of it and thought it was kind of funny. And you might, you might be one of those guys that pops the trunk and doesn't pay a tip and you may not like me anymore, but <laughs> that's okay. I got lots of stories from Inverness Country Club that, that some people might not like before, but others probably would. <laughs> anyway, um, that was a long time ago. That's when I started learning the things that I, that I learned. And things that I learned about myself, I, I think over my lifetime, is what I'm good at naturally, what I'm not good at naturally. Now, you can overcome some of those shortcomings, and probably a lot of you have, frankly. I haven't. I've talked about it many, many times that, that I'm not the guy that turns the wrench. Uh, I, I don't like to be the guy that cleans the car either, just to be honest with you. Um, the, in the end, when the car's all clean and sparkly, I like it. But I'd rather just be clean. I'm good at taking the pictures of the car, and I'm good at marketing the car, and I'm good at, pretty good at selling the car. Um, those are some of the things I'm good at that I, I like doing. I'm good at buying cars. I, I, I know how to buy them at the right price. Those are some of the things I am good at. But the things I'm not good at, I try to delegate. And that's what we're going to talk about today a little bit uh, about delegating. Uh, because I really think the more hats you try to wear, the worse off you're going to be. But you've got to find 
people you can de delegate to. Now, you may have a staff of employees. Uh, I don't. Um, I find other business owners who specialize in the things I don't like to do. Like I'll mention right away, Dennis Johnson Auto Repair, uh, as I've mentioned so many times, Dennis and his, his guys there do all my mechanical work. I found that I can trust them. Uh, they, they look out for me. And they're the ones who are going to do the final analysis. Now, I have to do a little analysis beforehand, but when it's time to do the work, I go to Dennis and he tells me what needs to be done in order for me to reach my goals. And then I pay him to do that. Um, other things along the way, uh, uh, the cleanup. I do some of my own cleanup, but I prefer uh, to, to uh, use somebody like uh, Jay at, at Potter's Pressure Washing Pleasures. I, I, I can never think of Jay's name, Jay's company name, but he's a he's a local guy here that does uh, pressure washing and, and, and auto detail. Does a fantastic job. And uh, I should use Jay more often. Uh, he'll, he comes out and he does the, the work right here. Um, I've got a, a guy, uh, a big Al, that does all my windshield replacements. Um, I, I've got other people uh, for tire replacement, um, other people to do the details, the, the things I don't like to do, the things I don't know how to do. And I built that team over the years, and that helps me stick to what I do like to do. So what I thought to do is I want to talk about um, what the steps are to flipping a car, just in general, because I, I think these are generally the same everywhere. And we're going to go over those steps and talk about whether or not it's something you should do or whether or not it's something you should delegate. And if you're going to delegate it, how can that be done? But before we do that, I thought I'd talk a, a little bit about the delegating process. If you've got people who work for you, whether they be employee or they be a, a business that you're hiring the subcontract that work through. I think a couple things that I that I, I learned online, and I, I I'm forgive me, I, I don't remember the gentleman's name that I listened to this week. I'll, I'll have to try to get that information. I might I might invite him on the show. So if anybody recognizes this information, I'm going to say right now that I I just learned it this week from somebody else. Uh, I can't say I learned the information, but it refreshed it in my mind. I thought it'd be a good thing to share with you. Um, and I'm constantly looking for people to share the microphone with me so that I can share deeper knowledge with you. So if you have anybody that you think would be beneficial, including yourself, please reach out to me, flippingquestions at gmail.com, and we'll have a talk about that. Um, when you turn over business, turn over a part of your business to another individual to, to do the work, um, number one, you want to make sure that it's somebody that you can trust. And, and of course, that'd be a good idea to, to uh, work into it gradually, uh, get some referrals. Um, but once you find this person and you're turning the business over to them, um, one of the things you're going to have to do is, is have some trust. Uh, that's going to be built over time. Don't, don't go crazy. It's your business. So you've got to protect your baby. You've got to make sure things are done right. But once you know that these people can be trusted. That's a big thing to folks. When they feel that you, you trust them, they want to work for you more. And a couple of the words that came up this week in a, a brief video that I watched on Facebook 
from a, a gentleman that, that coaches car dealers and other businesses are the, the words nurture and notice. And I think these are really, really smart words to keep in mind. As you turn over a job to somebody, whether it be uh, repair work or whether it be detail work, or whether it even be, even if it's sales or marketing or uh, purchasing or analysis, whatever these things are, we'll talk about all those things. It's very important that you nurture those relationships so that that they uh, are are fully cognizant of what you're trying to accomplish and aware that you value them. And and one of the things is to notice that and notice what they're doing and thank them, compliment them, occasionally give them a bonus. Um, and uh, think about that. It's, it's such a valuable thing. With the guys at Dennis's, and I got to do this again. I, I I haven't done it in a while. You know, bring up some pizza, uh, bring up some donuts, or some cash. Everybody loves cash. Everybody knows it's hard to get cash from Randy Lee. But you know, think of a way that you can reward the people that are helping you, and keep that in your mind at all times. This is a valuable thing to keep in your mind at all times. Well, number one, it's it's fun to be able to to uh, go above and beyond. And if you're doing this right, there's enough on the table that you can do that occasionally. Don't do it all the time because you can't. Every time somebody does their job, they shouldn't expect to get a bonus uh, unless you're just underpaying them crazy, and then that's no good either. So notice what they're doing, and notice if they're not doing it right because it is your business. You've got to protect yourself. So keep an eye out for that too. And trust is earned. And once it's earned, uh, you you need to still notice and make sure that they're they're not um, letting it get away from them. I mean, honestly, over the years, I've had situations where uh, trust was earned and then it was not re-earned. And I had to move on to another source. And that's and I have because I, I I noticed that I wasn't being treated the way that I thought I should be treated. Um, but when it is when it is done right, you know, praise and reward those folks. So let's let's talk about uh, about the steps that we take in flipping a car and talk about how we might be able to delegate them or how we might become specialists in that area. When we come back. Okay, we're going to talk about the different steps in in flipping vehicles in general. Uh, I want to start off first off with with the search and discovery of vehicles. We've talked about this in the past, different ways that we find vehicles. I I particularly enjoy finding vehicles I can I can purchase from individuals, and one of the ways I do that, of course, I've talked about in the past, is is my my head on a swivel and uh, different techniques I get, I use uh, to get the phone to ring. Um, and then once that phone rings, what do I do next? I, I, uh, I, I'm going to do an analysis. So there's a variety of ways that we can search and discover vehicles. Another thing that I do uh, two or three times a week, I do an analysis of vehicles that are being sold at auction. 
Um, so I, I narrow it and auction down from four to 600 vehicles that are being sold on a given day at an auction down to usually someplace between 20 and 50 vehicles that I'm actually going to consider. Um, this is something I do. I, I uh, have yet to find somebody that can look out for my interests the way that I look out for my interests in this in this area. Now, that's not necessarily the case for everybody. You you may choose to uh, bring on a partner who is specifically for this. They may run down the list and and break down the vehicles at an auction. They may be a bird dog looking for vehicles that you can buy and you pay them uh, a finder's fee every time you buy a vehicle. That could be an excellent way to um, to complement what you do. Perhaps you're limited in your ability uh, to uh, to find vehicles. Maybe you're you're a flipper who's got a another sixty hour a week job or a business. Um, this can be a pretty smart thing to do to to uh, uh, to delegate that. Um, I choose to do my own. Um, once you locate the vehicles once you you get that phone to ring and you're going to go look at a vehicle or once you have the auction resources uh to to buy vehicles or however you're getting the um your search and discovery is working the next step is to analyze and evaluate that vehicle now here again is a place that you might very well want to delegate uh, if you were to bring somebody along with you to the auction or to the point of purchase and have that individual who has more aptitude mechanically um, than you do, that could save you a lot of money. It, it's a smart thing to do. And this is something that, that I'm starting to recognize uh, as, as, my, as I grow older and, and have more desire to not work as much. Um, this is something that I'm working on possibly delegating. Uh, if I have a second party that can go and look at the vehicles in my stead uh, and give me a good breakdown where I trust them, um, I can pay them either based on the vehicles that I purchase or based on all the per vehicles that they that they look at. The information that they provide me, if they know what they're talking about, could save me a lot of money, which ultimately will make me a lot of money. Um, so this is something I'm actively pursuing right now. Um, at this point in time, I do most of this myself, and at least initially. So the initial analysis and evaluation before the the purchase is made, I do myself. But you may opt to do that to, to farm that out to delegate that out. Um, and you can do that in a variety of ways. You can you can bring in a, a commercial uh, company that, that has somebody that does exactly that. Or you can bring in, uh, you know, shade tree mechanic that you know, or some other individual that you feel is better qualified than you, or just has more time to do this than you. And as you build trust with that individual, it's going to be a hugely valuable uh, part of your, your team. Um, the next stuff is uh, purchasing. And as I've said, there's various avenues where you're, you're finding the vehicles and there's various ways you can, you can purchase vehicles. I purchase a lot of vehicles from auctions and those auctions are dealer auctions. Those auctions are uh, 
insurance auctions. Those auctions are uh, uh, auctions where cars have been impounded. There's a lot of different ones that I, I look at. And the key, though, <laughs> is just buying it right. Um, with my analysis, my analysis includes evaluating, evaluating the, the vehicle of what it's going to sell for, what we're going to have to do to it, and how much money I want to make from it, and what the fees are going to be to buy it if I have to buy it from an auction and pay a, a third party, or if I have that professional, that, that, that uh, set of eyes going over it, I have to pay them. I, I got to include all those costs, all my overhead costs in that in, in order to purchase it at the right price. And as we've talked about, you make your money when you buy. So it's very, very important that you buy them right. Uh, don't let your ego get in the way. I've seen that happen where um, individuals will, uh, they want to be the winner. Uh, you're not a winner if you buy it for too much money. So stick to your guns. And and it's, it's funny, uh, sometimes you're standing there and you'll be thinking, uh, I won't pay any more than $1,300 for this vehicle. How can that person pay $3,100 for the same vehicle? Well, it's not necessarily that they're wrong. It's just that that's not right for you. And it's the key is that you need to know that's not right for you and stick to your guns. It's okay to reevaluate and to reassess where you want to be based on the facts that you're dealing with. But your facts are not going to be the same facts as that guy standing across the, the, the aisle from you at the auction or the person that comes uh, an hour after you after you go look at a vehicle um, or an hour before you and you come and you offer $1,700 and they say, no, this other gentleman came and offered us $3,500. Say, well, that's, that, that number doesn't make sense to me. I suggest you sell it to them. And uh, I stick to that highest like 100 percent of the time because if you start buying based on uh your ego and your desire to win you will not be a winner um so purchasing is is very key it's something that i feel that i probably will never give up uh it doesn't really make sense to me to give that up uh unless i bring in a partner that i feel uh represents me the way i represent me so right now that's that's something that I'm not going to do, but that might not be you. You may have, you may have somebody who can do that purchasing. Keep an open mind. Keep an open mind. You, you. I'm not saying you can't delegate that. I don't see myself ever delegating that. Um, the next step is, is taking that. And maybe I'm going, uh, going backwards here because uh, planning for for success on each vehicle is it's key that you do that in advance, but. I, I feel that that it's key to do it again after the purchase, because after the purchase and we make a, a more educated assessment, um, that has to be done again. So maybe you do that before and after. Um, and that assessment is going to uh, take a look at that, that vehicle's probable sales price after you do repairs and renovations. And how much renovation you do will affect the price of some vehicles, some vehicles. Now, we talk about those, those uh, uh, classic vehicles I don't, I don't deal with. I love to look at them. I love to see them. But if you're doing classic vehicles, the, 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 the writer you get, the, the more money you're going to sell it for. 
um, other custom vehicles. That's going to be, it's going to be a more targeted audience, but you had better build that thing, renovate that thing. So it is appreciated by that target audience. If you are dealing in the, in the, the market that I deal in, and I know a lot of you guys want to deal in that market where it's a more, a simple flip. You, you, you buy them cheap, you fix them cheap and you sell them for a profit. Simple as that, but you've got to know what that, that, that potential is. You've got to know that and you've got to analyze that. And then you've got to come back with the information that you gain either from doing the analysis yourself or from paying somebody else to do the analysis like I do. Um, and then, you know, what the 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 physical and and mechanical renovations are going to be and what they're going to cost and you know what the end price is going to be you know all that information has to go into your analysis so that you know what the game plan is you're you're making a, a plan for success on each vehicle um again this is something that that i do but I, I do not do the physical and mechanical renovation assessment on my own. I get outside sources and those folks are, are paid to do that. Um, and that, that could be a full, a full detail of the vehicle. It could be a, it could be any far thing as far as a, a whole engine replacement, uh, or it could just be, you know, $300 of, of uh, sprucing up the, the, the vehicle so it runs better and another 150 bucks to make it look shiny and new and maybe another $400 in, in tires and a, a couple other cosmetic parts that you have to replace. But all those things add up and you need to know what your end price is gonna be and factored in that is what you expect to make on that vehicle and profit. And uh, you can do that better after you get a, a good assessment. And I personally delegate a good bit of that out. That may be your strong suit. If it is, that may not be where that may be where you're not delegating. But think about it. Think about where you stand, what you know as you build this flipping business. Or if you're already in the flipping business, I hope you're you're listening to this and maybe I'm helping you. A little light bulb goes off in your head and say, man, maybe I should use Jeffrey to do that, or maybe I should use Tito to do that, um, because they would be able to help, or they already know more than I do. And uh, I don't know Jeffrey or Tito, but those are a couple of names that came to mind. Um, if anybody knows them and they would like to come to work for me for substandard wages, I will give them bonuses from time to time. <laughs> I'm probably the guy that... That would pop the trunk and, uh, and <laughs> no, I would I would definitely give you a dollar. Um, the next step is is actually the physical and mechanical renovations. Doing them, actually doing them, and uh, so the assessment is one thing. Knowing what needs to be done now, you have to do that. And of course, there will be surprises that come up. Unfortunately, uh, I had surprises come up on a Honda this week. Usually they don't come up on Hondas, but uh, they did, and you want to take care of them, and, and I'm going to have to reassess because I'm going to have some extra expenses. But because I bought the, the vehicle right, I'm not going to lose money on that, even though there are some surprises, and that goes right back to, you know, 
you make your money when you buy it. Um, now, after you've got a finished product, you've got this finished product. Uh, now let's talk about uh, presentation and marketing. Um, now, present part of the presentation is the detailing and making the vehicle look good. But another part of the, the uh, presentation is uh, photographing it. Um, uh, there's very likely it could be beneficial to you to hire a professional photographer to actually take photos of your vehicle. Now, probably not if you're doing the 04 uh, Honda Accord or the 03 Impala that I'm that I'm probably selling. But if you are selling a, a, uh, a 2000 model uh, Honda Accord uh, or a 1955 Cadillac, the better the pictures, the better the marketing. So I, I, I would definitely see um, hiring an outside source to do the photography if that's something that you feel would make the presentation better. I'm pretty good at the photos, so I do that myself too, but this is another area that you may bring somebody else in on. And I, I, I'm telling you, if you're talking about 30, 40, 50, $60,000 vehicles, it is worth it to spend 100 to 100 and a half to get this thing looking right. I mean, on online, you know, get the right pictures. Same thing with marketing. Um, if if you uh, are not a whiz online, uh, it'd be a good idea to get somebody else to to uh, build your website, to do your your marketing as far as uh, social media marketing and any other advertising that you do. These are all things that you could delegate out. Excuse me, Mr. Microphone. Um, but I choose to do those things myself. And again, I probably, maybe I'm wearing too many hats, but that's why this is part of the, the this week's episode is, is uh, yours truly do an analysis of, of what I do too. As we go forward, I'm going to take more of these things off my plate and put them on other people's plates, but I got to do it in a way that is profitable because in the end, I'm in this to make money. I'm not in this to make friends. Um, I will a few along the way, but but uh, I'm in this to make money. Um, the next thing we're going to talk about is sales. Surprisingly, this is something I'm thinking about delegating. Um, in in sales, I'm talking about getting the maximum price for the vehicle. So there is something to that. It's not. I know I I downplay it a lot because I. I've been in sales all my life, and I always think, well, the car is going to sell itself. But there are people who are better at it than I am. And I know those. I know there are people like that. And if I can compensate them and allow them to do that end of it uh, while I swing the golf club or go on a trip with my lovely wife uh, or go visit my family or go visit my family with my lovely wife and swing the golf club, um, if I can still make money while they're doing their thing, hey, that sounds good to me. So that's something I'm thinking about delegating. Uh, and there's a few different ways that I can do that. I'm kind of juggling the, the different ideas. A couple of different ideas is a partnership. Um, another way is, is actually to, to hire somebody who gets paid uh, based on their productivity. Somebody who's good at this, hey, that could be that could be a real win-win to me. So um, I'd love... I love the idea of somebody else profiting from the skills I have and me profit 
from the skills I have. Um, next, the next step is something I already delegate also, and that is titling. Uh, as, as a licensed car dealer uh, here in Alabama, we have to be responsible for uh, the title and taxes, and that is something that I delegate to a highly, highly professional individual who does this with almost no errors and takes that off my plate once I, I get the paperwork that is proper, turn it over to her, and she takes care of those details so that it is done correctly, the title is correctly done, and, and the record keeping is filed correctly, and the taxes are paid as they're, they're supposed to, and I have no worries uh, of dealing with the government. Basically, you know, you want, I want, I want the government to be happy with me. So we do that right. Um, then there's record keeping and accounting and finance. And depending on how deep you get into this, depending on how big your operation is, um, you may need to bring in secondary parties for all those things. Um, not the sexiest stuff to talk about, but believe me, you want you want record keeping and you want to be on top of all of the rules that go in, go into these things, the titling, the record keeping, the taxes, the filing, the accounting, you, you, you want that. And a good place to start is your, your state's independent auto dealers association or your country's independent auto dealers association. If you're in Canada, I believe also you have, uh, your providence will have their own association. Um, these rules change, and we have representation in our association uh, that is trying to look out for us as dealers. If you do get your license, you are a licensed dealer, I encourage you, I, I encourage, I could not encourage you more to become a member of that association and then take advantage of everything they offer you in the form of continuing education, updates on the rules that, that are available to you both nationally and locally. Um, it's vital, it is vital to the success and continuation of your business that you know what those rules are. We've talked about them a few times. A few times I've had the, uh, the, the, uh, the leader of our association here in Alabama on, had a few other folks on that, that are aware of some of these things. This stuff changes all the time. It, it is a small price to pay and it more than pays for itself. And then once you do that, um, and as, as you interact with, with others in your profession, you're gonna find other potential uh, uh, delegation points, other potential partners, and all of that can be extremely beneficial to you and your business. Now, my goal, you know, is frankly, these days, to do as few of these things as possible, and to get the largest percentage of the, the profits as possible. That is what I want to do. I, I guess that's really what I wanted to do from day one. But at this point, I recognize what, what that looks like. And I recognize too, that I can do that better by doing what I do best and letting other people do what they best do best for me so that I can I can be more efficient. And I think that's that's what we wanted to talk about today.
I hope this helps you uh, help shape your flipping business. And if you've got questions, uh, if you've got suggestions, if you've got ideas to share, come join the Car Flipping Forum and share them with all of us on there. Please uh, interact with your brother and sister uh, flippers and, and, and car dealers from all across the world. Um, we have well over 500 members now and growing all the time. And I, I really encourage you to, to uh, participate and, and to be involved in that group. If you'd prefer to write me directly, feel free to write me at flippingquestions at gmail.com, or you can directly, directly contact me uh, on the forum as well, or you can directly comment, uh, uh, contact me on the uh, website. You see it above my head here, flippinggenius.com, F-L-I-P-P-I-N-G-E-N-I-U-S.com. And if you're saying, Randy, I don't see anything because I'm listening on just audio. I apologize. I do want you to know that it is available on video now, too, at the Flipping Genius YouTube channel, along with over 100 videos. And a lot of our episodes are on video, and we're doing that every week now, um, at least for the time being. Uh, there may be a time when I don't feel like doing it, so I don't want to I don't want to lock myself in. <laughs> but uh that is what we're doing right now. Uh, so you can you can watch on uh, YouTube. You can watch the videos also on flippinggenius.com. You can hear the podcast wherever podcasts are heard. I believe all of the episodes are available everywhere. Somebody just asked me on Spotify. They couldn't find all the episodes. I looked and I found all, all 119 plus uh, at that point. So just search a little bit more. Um. A lot of good things coming down the pike. Uh, I do encourage you to consider uh, becoming a flipping team member or a flipping partner or a flipping champion. Um, it helps support the cause here at Flipping Genius. And we try to reach out and help you help yourself uh, in any way we can. One of the ways we're going to help in a situation like that is help you identify what you're best at so that you can delegate more to somebody else and increase your percentages and increase your freedom. Freedom is a good thing. Freedom is my goal. And I am so happy to live in the United States of America. <laughs> hey, I'm serious. I am. Uh, let's work together. Let's make some money. Let's all become flipping geniuses. <laughs>